Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. And today we are talking about something super important, one of the most important points in a person's, in a young adult's life. And what we're talking about is the transition to college. It's something that we think about since we're little kids, our parents talk to us about the importance of education, going to a great university, getting a good education, so then we can be productive members of society, but really pursue our passions and do what we want in life. And nothing sets us up better in life than a good college education at an amazing university. So today, we are going to be deconstructing that enigma talking about how do we get in to those ultimate top stellar universities in the country and in the world. So I have two very special guests today, uh, both high school seniors and both who have made it to what I consider to be the upper echelons of higher education. One has just gained admissions to Yale University and the other to Harvard University. So I'm sure you've heard of both of those schools. Uh, their name and the reputation speaks for themselves. So we're going to talk to them about exactly what did they do? How did they do it? What types of things can you glean from this episode as far as what your kids should be doing to set themselves up for admissions into these types of elite universities? So without further ado, Alicia Abramson, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit. So you when when did you find out that you got into Yale? Um, so I applied early action, and those decisions came out in mid-December. So that's when I find out about it. Cool. And what is early action? Um, so early action is basically the deadline for application is November 1st. So it's a couple months before the normal deadlines. Um, and you basically just find out early if you got into that school. And Yale's restrictive early action, which means you can only apply to that school early. Um, and then some schools also have early decision, in which case, if you get in, it's binding and you have to go there. Now, is that something, let's say some uh, kids, uh, students are listening and they say, well, man, Yale is where I want to go to. Is, do you recommend doing that? Because does that improve your odds of getting getting in? Um, so it kind of varies. I mean, a lot of people think that it doesn't actually improve your odds, even though the acceptance rate early is higher. But a lot of people say that the applicant pool is self-selecting. So it's more qualified people who are applying early. Um, and most colleges say that if you get in early, you would also get in regular and they don't accept people that they wouldn't normally accept. But if it's your first choice, it's definitely a good way to go because you find out early um, and, you know, the acceptance rate is higher. So it's always better odds. To me, what that shows, too, is let's say, of course, I'm sure they they would be taking the same caliber of students both times. But I guess to me, what it, one thing it would signify is, hey, you guys are, yes, I'm a qualified candidate, but you are my top choice. I love this school and this is where I'm going. So I think from that perspective, 
it's I believe that schools not only have to make admissions decisions just based on qualified candidates, they also have to they also want to admit students that they think are going to come to Yale. So if you're applying early action, that's a pretty safe bet that you're going to you're going to go if you get in. So I think that probably yeah, plays exactly. in your favor. All right. Very cool. All right. So now let's talk about you and your academic track record. Now, first of all, I talk a lot about. The SAT, the math section of the SAT on my YouTube channel, we've talked about it on the show before. Uh, And we talked a little bit before the show, you said you were comfortable sharing some of these statistics. So how did you, how was the SAT for you? How did you end up doing? So I actually took the ACT, not the SAT. Um, I took diagnostic tests for both and I just felt more comfortable with the ACT. So that's the one I ended up actually taking. Um, And my overall ACT score was a 35 um, on the math section specifically, I believe I got a 34. Um, so that was the section that I probably struggled most with. I had to do a lot of prep for that. Um, so in the end, I think I ended up having to bring my math score up by like four points because it started off as a 30. Um, so then with a lot of practice tests and studying, um, it ended up at a 34. That's a huge jump, by the way. So if you guys aren't familiar with the ACT, that's also something I tutor for. And the math is important, very important there as well. But it's one of four sections you have English, uh, science, math, and then the writing section or grant. It's similar to the writing section on the new SAT. But that's a phenomenal, I mean, 35 is a, for anybody who's not familiar, you can get the max you can get is 36, 35 is a phenomenal score. And that's already in, in the 99 point something percentile. Uh, but that's phenomenal. And so tell us a little bit about the prep. I mean, how many hours do you think you, you put in and how many months did you put in to get where you wanted to go? Um, so I took my first diagnostic test the summer before my junior year. Um, so I think it was June or July. Um, and then I took the actual ACT in September. So I prepped for the months in between and then my reading and English scores were already pretty good. So I was focusing mostly on math. Um, I usually did practice tests specifically for the math section, like once or twice a week. Um, and then I would go over all the questions I missed and I would write them down and solve them. Um, and then like write down notes to myself about why I missed them. And then before I took the actual ACT, I read back through all of all of those notes so that I wouldn't make the same mistake. Oh, my God. And you just ca- you came up with that methodology on your own or did you have somebody? Because sh- that's like a dream student from my perspective. I try to tell students all the time that's exactly what they need to do. You need to take practice. Obviously, you need to practice, but then you need to analyze your answers. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you went above and beyond. I mean, why did you do that? Is that your natural sense or you had guidance? Um, I did some research on like the best ways to study for the ACT. Um, and that's kind of a trusted method that I came across. Um, and it worked really well for me. And then, you know, it's just motivation to do well and dedication to the general college cause that motivated me to prep that much. Very cool. So that is <clears throat> that is excellent. I hope people are listening to this out there who have these ambitions of a four-point jump in math. And I can really – the math is what I can talk about, the math scores on the SAT or the ACT. These jumps are possible. A four-point jump is a huge jump, like huge jump. And it was still within a relatively short period of time of two months – and by the way, it's a lot harder to jump yeah. when you're at a 30 to a 34 than, let's say, a 20 to a 24. 30 to a 34, that's probably the toughest jump to to make. So that's great. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about your 
academics, uh, things like that. So what were, what were your statistics in terms of your GPA, the types of APs you took, et cetera? Um, so I've taken a total of 13 APs throughout high school. Um, so it was, you know, a mix of different classes. Um, and then my GPA is, well, my UC GPA is, I believe, a 4.6 or a 4.7. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've gotten one B throughout my high school career. It was in honors math analysis in 10th grade. So that was, you know, a difficult class. Um, but other than that, it's been um, A's. So, yeah. You'll never forget that one B. I know that. I know how yeah, that, that, how, I know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you took 13 APs. That is astounding. Okay, um, I assume you scored probably pretty well on, on these APs. Yeah, I've gotten fives on all my AP exams. Okay, so, thir- so 13 APs, fives on all of them. That is, wow. Okay, and then tell us a little bit about, were you were you taking a lot of honors classes or was that not really a, a super important strategy for you? I mean, what, what was, how did you choose your classes? So um, at my school, we're not allowed to take AP classes until our sophomore year. So freshman year, I was taking like honors algebra two, honors chemistry, um, mostly honors classes. And then in 10th grade, I took three APs. I took two history APs and then AP biology. Um, cause that was the limit on the APs we were, we were allowed to take 10th grade and then junior and senior year, I took five APs. Um, and my school has like six periods in the day. So my sixth class was journalism. Got it. And what about your extracurriculars? What types of activities did you pursue outside of school? Um, so a lot of my extracurriculars were very politically oriented. Um, so it centered a lot around politics and government and law. Um, so I'm involved in a lot of different clubs, um, like moot court, which is basically model appellate court where we argue constitutional law, um, youth and government, which is basically a state model legislature and court. Um, and then, you know, various other things like serving on the mayor's youth council and interning for different political campaigns. Um, so a lot of stuff like that. Wow. Okay. So, and for guys who listen to the show regularly, just to let you know, Alicia actually, helps me uh, run the podcast and she's a huge asset but I did not know all of these things that she did I didn't know about the 13 <laughs> APs I knew that she had gotten it it was going to Yale but um probably should be taking more advice from her that's crazy <laughs> that's really great so you de- you definitely you have worked extraordinarily hard in high school and and the GPA is one thing but fives across the board that is pretty I mean mm-hmm. I, I would say even if you got fives on even half of those and fours or something on the rest that would still be very impressive. Okay, what's your Thank advice you. for students who are just now on the precipice of of jumping into high school and starting out? What is your advice from cuz that's a lot of years of a lot of hard work and you know, some people might be like, "You know what? That's just I there's no way I can stay focused and, and attentive and aggressive with my academic schedule for that long and make that marathon. What's your advice from a mental standpoint? How do they approach high school? Um, you know, I think it's really about having a goal and, you know, like working for it. Like when I jumped into high school, my first year, I wasn't super involved um, in a lot of things. And then by sophomore year, I had gotten really involved in a lot of different extracurriculars. 
So um, it's really about just saying, you know, this is what I want and now I'm going to work to get it. Um, and if you put your mind to it, then I definitely think it's possible for a lot of people to get into these schools. Um, it's just really about how hard you work and prioritizing different things and budgeting your time. Um, and a lot of times people underestimate the importance of extracurriculars. Um, but I mean, that's a huge thing. Like a lot of people who are applying to these schools have perfect grades and it's really your extracurriculars and your essays that are setting you apart. Um, so, I mean, I would say get involved in as many different clubs as you can until you find ones that you actually like, um, because that's, I mean, it's really easy to stay involved in these clubs when you really enjoy what you're doing. Um, so definitely make sure you're doing things that you enjoy um, and taking classes that you're at least somewhat interested in, um, because if you're just doing things that you hate, you're not going to be able to keep it up for four years. Talk about your writing, because you're, I've seen your writing and I was blo- I was shocked, actually, uh, at how uh, professional it is. And uh, also, for those of you who haven't pick, uh, heard about this uh, throughout listening to the episodes, I'm actually an attorney uh, and I, I practiced law for four years before I started starting Scalar Learning. And I love to write, and writing is one of my passions. I'm pretty picky when I have people submit writing for my blog or different things like that. And Alicia's writing, I was completely shocked when I saw it because it's it's better than anybody I've had who's written any material for me before uh, by a wide margin. How? Why is your writing – why do you think your writing is so polished? And then as a follow-up – what was your process for your college essays? But yeah, first, like, how? Do, why do you think your writing is at its current level? Um, so I've always enjoyed writing. I mean, when I was younger, writing was a really big part of my life. Um, and definitely because I read so much when I was a kid and I still read a lot, that's been a really big influence in my writing style. So um, if anyone's looking to become a better writer, the best thing they can do is just read a ton. Um, but yeah, so I've been writing since I was young. I've been really involved in like journalism. Um, and you know, I've been writing for fun too. So I think just a lot of practice is how you become a good writer. And then for my college essays, it was a lot of work. I started over the summer, um, so that I could, you know, be ahead. Um, and then each of my essays went through a ton of revisions. I think I wrote like seven different personal statements before I found one that I actually liked. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of revising, it's a lot of editing. Um, but yeah, in the end, it turned out pretty good. That is great. Okay, hopefully you guys are listening to all these nuggets of wisdom, experiential wisdom from Alicia. So Alicia, thank you so much for talking about everything and being candid about all of your numbers and your procedures and the things you've done over the last four years. All right. Now let's, we've talked about how to get into Yale. Now let's talk about getting into Harvard. Without further ado, Meredith Johns, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining. So we talked about Yale. Now we're talking about getting into Harvard. So first of all, congratulations to you on getting into Harvard University. That's a massive accomplishment. And Thank it, you. Yeah, and it's, it is not easy, as everybody knows. Uh, these are the two, arguably the two most elite schools in the country and the world. So that is great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So you, where, where did you go to high school? Did you go to high school in Los Angeles or outside of uh, – oh, no, you're in a, another state. Is that right? I am. Yeah, I'm outside of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in the suburbs in Kennesaw. Very cool. So tell us about, let's first start with your standardized test scores. Did you take the ACT or the SAT? 
Um, I took both. So I took my first SAT uh, right after sophomore year in the June of that summer between sophomore and junior year. I ended up taking um, another one that December. Uh, and then I pretty much decided that I wanted to try the ACT. And I got a 35 my first time. And my parents were largely like, there's no reason to take it again. And while that might have been true, I decided to anyway and ended up with a 36. So that's what I ended up using. And now if you got a 36, does that mean you got 36s across the board? Or did it, can it still average up to a 36 with like a 35 it, in there? Yeah, it averages. So I had a 36 um, on reading, 36 on writing, 36 on science, and then a 35 math. Got it. Okay. Phenomenal. All right. So both of you guys are, are big ACT uh, likers. What, what is it? Why did you like, what is it about the ACT that you liked better than the SAT? Because I, the reason why I want to ask this is I've, I've taken both, uh, I took both in high school, but I've also taken both again as an adult. And I tend to find that because of the science section, I feel like the ACT in general would take an added level of prep. So I feel like it's a more effort to prepare for that. But what is it about the ACT that you found more conducive to your test-taking style? Um, so how it actually ended up working out. So like I said, I took my first SAT right after sophomore year. Uh, sort of just like an indicator test. Like I didn't study or anything. I just like wanted to see what it was. Um, and then I took it again in December. And then I took it one more time, I think May of junior year. Um, and I just couldn't get a perfect score, which is why I ended up turning to the ACT um, and then got that 35 and then got that 36. So I ended up taking the SAT three times. Uh, I had an 800 on math after this first time and my reading and writing, I just couldn't get there. So that's kind of why I turned to the ACT and then I ended up getting that perfect score. Um, but, yeah, but you so must- it wasn't really a preference. I see, but you, it must've been, it must've been close to a perfect. It's just, you wanted a, a perfect 1600. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah. It was a 1570. Yeah. Okay. So that was fine. <laughs> All right. So for guys who are listening and don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about, 36 is perfect on the ACT. 1570 is essentially perfect on the SAT. The best you can get is a yeah. 1600, but it's, I think it, once you get that high, it's, I think there's al- there's very little measurable difference in terms of the percentile because I think now you're already in the 99.99. I think it's like 0.99 or 0.999 percentile, something like that. So it's 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 indistinguishable. But that so that bottom line is her standardized test scores were through the roof. So what did you do to prepare when you were prepping for the ACT to move it up to a perfect score? What did you? I mean, it kind of sounds like you're a natural test taker, so you didn't do much prep. But what is the prep that you did do? Yeah, um, so I had a lot of trouble like motivating myself to study um, between that first and second ACT. Um, and what I ended up doing was tutoring a friend who was trying to get to a 30. And um, through that, I think I ended up being like very well prepared to get that 36. Um, but in between, I focused very little on myself, but I was giving her a lot of tips and techniques. And I think I ended up using more of them than I anticipated when I was teaching her. And so we ended up taking on the same test date and she got her 30 and I got my 36. Um, but it was not too focused on me. It was a lot of me just teaching someone else. Yeah. That is, let's see this I can relate to because over the last four <laughs> years I teach all the time. I teach math to, you know, I tutor math, I teach math and that has gotten, I, I tell people this, but I don't know how to exactly turn that into a prep method. But what, Basically, the point is is that this is 110% true that by teaching or forcing yourself to actually teach or show people things, it's it does something in your brain to your level of understanding where it just – it puts you on this – 
separate plane where it bec- I, I can't I can't really explain it. But that is amazing. So if if you're listening out there and you can make that work in some way, maybe try and help somebody else out. Yeah, a hundred percent. That will definitely solidify w- your conceptual understanding of a lot of this stuff. All right, so that's really cool. Now let's talk about your GPA, your grades. What what? First of all, did you take a lot of APs and honors classes as well throughout high school? Yes, I took a lot. I actually don't have a number. Uh, I'm like close to 20 <laughs> um, um, is like what I ended up being. Uh, I know like six sophomore year, six junior year, another six this year about. <laughs> okay. And how have those mostly, are those mostly gone pretty well, I assume, in terms of the yeah, AP scores? Um, so I've, right. Yeah. So I haven't taken, well, I think I have taken actually every exam for every class I've taken and they've been like majority five. Um, I got a four in AP European history cause I took it online. So I didn't really learn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, largely five okay. and all A's. So. And all A's. So you have a uh, four point, is it, do you have a weighted GPA or is it just a 4.0? Yeah, we have weighted and unweighted. So I have a 4.0 unweighted and like a four, seven, eight, six weighted, mm-hmm. I want to say. And is that because of A pluses or how does that work? We don't do A pluses. It's just um, A's and an AP course are worth a five. Um, oh, and then I see. like B's and an AP course are worth a four, right? And then on level would be A's worth a four, B's see, worth a three. That makes that makes a lot of sense because that's the conundrum, I think, a lot of times, whether should you take these higher level difficulty classes? Well, what if, you know, if they're harder and you end up with a B, how is that fair? But I, I think that's a really fair way to do it. Then you get a you do get an A, you get bonus points, you get a B, you're not penalized. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. All right, cool. So obviously, your grades are flawless. Uh, that seems to be a theme, a reoccurring theme here that... Uh, that is a high mark to hit and I understand that and I know that that can be intimidating and but that seems to be a constant in terms of trying to get into one of these really really top elite universities tell us about your extracurriculars yeah um so my extracurriculars um are largely political oriented as well um similar to Alicia's I, like, chartered the Young Democrats at my school, um, president of Model United Nations. I'm the managing editor of the school paper. I do, um, I'm, like, a leader in student government. I work a lot on local political campaigns, uh, worked on a state gubernatorial election past semester. Yeah, um, just a lot of, like, political engagement is uh, generally where I focus. So, I mean, when you had your interview, let's say, or when you talked to, the admissions department at the university, did they give you any indication of the things that they really liked or that they found really appealing about you and your background? Um, so like in my Harvard admissions interview with an alum, there was like no indication of what they're looking for. I would say, um, I mean, I really do think they are searching out like diverse students with diverse interests, but I think being so committed to one thing helped me. Uh, like being really engaged in politics and having that consistent interest over my four years of high school and even before that. I think that really benefited my application. Let's talk a little bit about your work habits. And I, you sound similar to Alicia in the sense, I have a feeling that you probably have read a lot throughout your life. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I love reading. Okay. And so do you devote a lot of time outside of school to reading books for fun or reading articles and things like that? Um, 
yeah, devote might be the wrong word. Just because throughout high school, as things get really busy, I do fall off in terms of like recreational reading. But uh, I, I do love to read during like breaks in the summer. Absolutely. And let's talk about the process for your essays. How did you go about coming up with your ideas for your essays, writing them, refining them, all that? Yeah, so I have two older brothers that um, have gone through the college application process. And so I tried to talk to them a lot about uh, what about me was kind of worth writing about, like what story would be the most impactful if I told it. And so for my personal statement, I ended up getting one idea of talking about my progression, um, sort of discovering politics, and then talking about my personal and political growth through middle school and high school. And once I had that idea, I wrote that one topic, um, edited it, like revised it a million times, but really stuck to that one idea. And that was the one I ended up turning in as my common app personal statement. Got it. What is your big picture advice for anybody who's listening, parents of high school students, somebody entering about to enter ninth grade, what is a good mental state or mental approach to high school if they want to aim this high? Yeah, I think if you're trying to go to like a Harvard or Yale or something of that caliber, um, it really is commitment. I mean, this is sort of what Alicia touched on, but knowing that you want to do that and understanding that it's going to take like some amount of sacrifice to do that, even if it's just uh, less free time or less hanging out with your friends, um, devoting yourself to those extracurriculars and to the classes in order to get an A or get a five. Uh, is just huge. It's really so much of just choosing to do that over and over every day, which sounds really intimidating because you have to do it for four years. But I think making that choice is really the line between getting in and not getting in. Do you feel like you've had to miss out on a fair number of things because of that choice? Or do you feel, do you feel like because you were so committed, it didn't even feel like a big deal? Um, I definitely don't think I've like missed out on a high school experience. I am really, I think I've been very purposeful and like still having all those experiences and making a lot of friends and doing high school things. Um, so I don't feel like I've like totally missed out, but I did make it like a huge part of my life that I was set on getting in to somewhere like Harvard. And so that choice kind of like defining my high school career made it feel like it wasn't too much of a sacrifice. Like if I did decide to, stay home and work because it was just like part of my DNA at that point. This could equally, as much as this is an episode about college admissions, this could equally be a show about entrepreneurship. Uh, it's it's sort of all of these same mentalities would be applied there as well. You got to want it. You have to sacrifice. You have to stay focused, committed, all of that stuff. So uh, I wish both of you the best. I kind of hope, I, I know that both of you have uh, aspirations in politics and I think that's going to be phenomenal. I kind of also secretly hope because I'm so passionate about uh, entrepreneurship and building things that you guys uh, someday want to do something like that too because I feel like you have that mentality and ability to do something really cool in that space. Uh, so maybe one day you guys will also try and make your mark on the world, but you can also do that in politics or any which way. But I'm excited for you and you're starting off your adult life in a very, very sweet spot. So that is amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. And guys, if you want to check out the write-up and hear more details about Alicia and Meredith, 
definitely go and check it out at scalarlearning.com. Just go to the podcast section and make sure to check back with us every week for a new episode. And if you haven't already checked out the YouTube channel, make sure to do that as well. Loads of practice problems and tips for mastering the SAT, ACT math sections and all sorts of good stuff. We got new music videos dropping very soon on the concept of Exponent, so don't miss that. Thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Learning, give me that scalar learning. Give me that scalar learning. Give me that scalar.